right, so why why did I I pick some of our pastors this week? Because I'm not finished with this, guys. Like, I really want to tap into the life of the people in our church. Everybody that is willing to get up here, I will put you up here and talk to you about anything you want to talk about. I promise. But I really wanted tonight to to let you see some of the things that that our pastors face um, outside. You hear a lot about me and me and Jennifer talking about things in front of you, but you don't often get the time to hear some of the things these guys have faced and some of the the the, the battles they've had to go through to get where they are and what God's been doing in their life through the ministry the last few months and and how it's impacted them. So. Um, I'm really. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna make a big circle. But I'm gonna start with with Brother Corey and and I'm gonna ask just a simple question. <laughs> Everybody in here pretty much is familiar with Brother Corey's history and his past and the things that he faced. And if he wants to share some of that, I'm gonna let him do that right now. If you don't know, he can kind of just fill you in. But what I want to know is Brother Corey has always worked in church since he's been serving. He's always been active. He's always been. Um, doing the, the Sunday schools and the, and the grow classes and, and helping with the youth. But recently he has taken on at this church pretty much a full-time pastoral role with our students. And what has it been like since you've taken that role on, knowing your past? So you know that people know in our community the things that you've been through. So what are some of the challenges of leading people's kids knowing the past? Like, how do, you, how do we break through that? Well, I feel like it's like a uh, Paul moment sometimes. Uh, not that I'm comparing myself to Paul, but when Paul was converted, the other Christians, per se, were like, you want us to work with him? Do you not remember what he was just doing to the church? Uh, I'm not so sure about this guy. You know, uh, you sure that, uh, you sure he's really saved? You sure that, and you know, I've, I've faced that through social media and stuff, people you know, a lot of you say a lot of these people know my history, but not many in here do. And uh, at one point in time, I was facing 112 years in prison. I've been arrested over 20 times, um, from 16 to 20. My dad was ran over and killed by a drunk driver, and I completely splunged out there on pills. On uh, I lost my my provider, so I started dealing, and uh, I'll save all that for maybe Sunday morning, but. Um, so the community knew me as that person. I, I posted jokingly the other day that I'd never been in the packet for something good when we had the uh, <laughs> the outreach in Hamilton just as a joke, but I'd been in the paper several times. I'd been on the news, um, all kinds of things, and that's some of the things I'd face in the community. Well, he's faking, or, you know, he's not sincere, or his past is too bad, or, you know, look at all them tattoos, or do I want my kids around him, or, you know. That type thing. What? So, you've had the opportunity, I know, to lead some of the kids of the parents that you've actually ran the roads with and did some of this stuff with. What do you think is going through their mind? What, what do you think? I know it shocks the kids, and but I know it gives them hope, too, because they remember me in that state, and they remember me running around with their parents and doing all these things. Uh, I met with an individual today, and... He used to own a store, and I used to take pounds of weed to that store, and I didn't have a job. I would sell, and I would take this duffel bag full of weed up to that store, and they quit. They made a rule that city officials were not allowed to do business at his store anymore, and he asked me to come bid a job today, and I get over there, and I'm taking some measurements and all, and uh, well, I get done, and he says, now on into your personal life he says man my son's been struggling he says you know 
don't tell them I, I've reached out to you, but is there any way you could, you know, make it a point to, to talk to my son? It just shows you what God's doing. Yeah, always working. Um, so, Sister Brooke, everybody thinks Sister Brooke's like the real quiet one, right? Well, she's definitely come out of her shell the last six months. She, she has learned how to put Brother Corey in his place, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But, um... That's what, yeah, that's Shiver says that's what being a mom does. It just comes out and, and it gets a little more bold towards him. But what is it like being a pastor's wife, knowing Brother Corey's past, knowing y'all are leading these students? What are some of the things that go through your mind of like what 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 maybe they're thinking? You know, like how, is it difficult? What 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 um, barriers may y'all face? Well, um, what I was worried about at first was just like, like what he said, like people wondering like, well, can he really teach these kids? Can, I mean, you know, is he going to be a bad influence on them? Like at work, whenever um, I told them that Corey was going to be the youth pastor or some of my friends at work, they were like, are you sure that he can? Are you sure? But it's really like what he said, like about the Paul thing, like, He's been there. He's done that. It's like, okay, if you want to go out to eat or at a restaurant or something, you're going to ask somebody that's been there. You're not going to ask me or somebody that has never been there or if they liked it or how was it. You're going to go to someone that has been there, that has tasted it, that has paid for it. And you're going to take what they say over somebody like me who's never been there. And I feel like that for the youth, like, he's somebody that they can go to with real questions like, you know, I'm going through this. How did you get through this? And I can give advice, but he, you know, been there, done that, and I really think that us together with his history that we can both be very helpful to you. She's going to preach Sunday. You out. Uh, Sister Brooks preaching Sunday. So I, I love the response because, you know, we take that scripture that what the enemy meant for bad, God's going to work to the good for those who love him. But here's the deal about that. A lot of times, what she's saying is, I, I don't believe in, in that God just ordains a moment for us to go through bad things and says, this is what I want you to do. But since we choose that road, he says, what I'm going to do is take your choices and I'm going to make them for the good because the enemy wants to destroy you. Looking back now, the, the 2021, some of the things, Brother Corey, you struggle with the most back then is now the high priority in the season we're in in our students. Our students are facing the things that Brother Corey struggled with. They're facing the battle that he went through. So it's amazing how what the enemy said, I'm going to destroy, and, I'm, and he's facing all these years in prison. Now, in 2021, he takes everything he went through, and this is what our students are facing, and bam, now you're going to lead the students in the same capacity in which you had to make different decisions in your life. So I just think it's amazing what God does um, in his perfect timing. But, but RJ, y'all's is a little different. But RJ, the only thing he ever been addicted to was marshmallow coke. So we ain't got worried. I got the same addiction, so we good. But yeah, and that was just one. I couldn't imagine living around that stuff. Look, that stuff is 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 bad for you. But um, <laughs> but RJ, the story behind that is everybody looking like marshmallow coke. I went with him to. I went up there when uh, sister sister Ashley's father passed away, and uh, me and brother Corey went up there to be with him. And brother RJ decides to take us to the local. Um, um, meth drink house and so we go there and he's like we're gonna get pizza and marshmallow coke and 
I'm thinking, I don't even like marshmallows. And that's what most people think about drugs. I don't even like drugs. But we get on this marshmallow Coke, and I'm like, dude, what is this stuff? <laughs> we tried to make it. We couldn't make it. Sister Ashley made it for us. But it's, it's just really cool to see. But he didn't have the past Brother Corey had. His, his journey and their road's a little different. And, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that there's still barriers that we have to face in ministry. There's still roads we have to cross. And being your past is a little bit different. Um, you've been, both been in church all your life. You've both served God all your life and, and been in worship and things like that. But you have stepped into full-time pastoring really for the first time for a full-time pastoring position. What's it been like? Just go back about our story first, and then I'll get yeah, into that. Ahead. But, um, you know, I grew up in a single home. My mom was the only one around. I went to my dad every other weekend, but I was more of a slave than a son. It, at times, it felt like that at my dad's house. Um, but <clears throat> I grew up in church, and and mom took me every time the doors were open. We we're in church five, six, seven days a week. You know all the time she cleaned the church you know she was a worship leader i played on the worship band you know church was my life so i, I relate mine and Corey's story to the prodigal son whereas Corey was the prodigal son and went out into the world and and did all the partying and the, the drinking and ended up in the pig pen i was the prodigal son's brother i was the one that stayed with the father but in the background was doing stuff that nobody knew about and I was mad at him because he was out sinning and I was stayed with the father, but the father didn't see me like he seen him. Does that make sense? So I was the one that grew up in church my whole life, but I, in the background, I was dealing with lust. In the background, I was dealing with uh, shame. I was dealing with, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy enough. I, I, didn't, I didn't have anything to give anybody that I was just gonna be a failure the rest of my life. And uh, all that to say, you know, we have two totally different stories, but we still were messing with sin together, if that makes sense. And the father still welcomed us both home and we ended up here, but uh, we were actually full-time associate pastors of a, a Church of God church for a while too. So this isn't actually our first time in full-time ministry, but um, this is the first time we're happy. <laughs> Let me put it, I hate to say it that way, but, but I, I was the religious person that would stand in the hallways of the high school, look you in the eye and say, you're going to hell because you said a cuss word. I was that kind of person. And then I would go home and get on my computer and look at things I wasn't supposed to look at, you know? So, uh, I was the hypocrite of the story anyway. Um, but full-time ministry has been wonderful for us you know i've always told every employer i would work for that ministry was my full-time job and your job is my part-time job and ministry would always come first because that's what god has called me to do and since we've been here i've been able to step into that role fully and and actually feel fulfilled in being able to do what god's called me to do i'm gonna let sister jennifer help me with this one but sister ashley so i've walked through a pastor's wife's shoes with her the first time. Brother RJ's in here carrying many hats. The pressure's great, the, the, the sacrifice is great, the commitment is great. What's the pressure like? What is it as a pastor's wife? I, I, I've seen it, but I wanna know, you know, because it's, a diff it's different. And, and 
I want our, our church to know what's it like? What's it like as a pastor's wife behind the scenes? Crazy, <laughs> chaotic. No, um, there are times that it is crazy, but um, going back to when before he was able to be full time in ministry, um, when he was you know having full time jobs, but we were at ministries, you know the worship leaders or whatever we were doing, um, and he that was our biggest argument was he would go into work and be like, listen, I don't care what you're telling me. Like God's more important than your job. And I'm like, no, 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 we, we need money. Like we have to pay for our house. We have to pay our bills. And like, that was my aspect of it, of like, you're going to get fired and we're in trouble. Like I'm not, you hey, know, God's got it. I, yeah, <laughs> that's his biggest response yeah. to everything. I'm like, what are we going to do when this happens or this can't be paid? And he's like, God will provide. And I'm like, stop saying that because I'm so tired of hearing, but I mean, God does provide and he's faithful. He's been faithful every time we've been through things. But now, um, with him being in a full time where he's finally happy and I can say that, like, that's not a lie. He truly is happy and doing what, you know, the passion and everything that God, the things that he's dreamed of doing, like he's finally walking in that. And that's tremendous. And takes a load off of me because before I was stressed out that my husband's not happy. Like he would go through depression and it was really hard to see him go through those times of depression and not feeling like he was worthy or that he felt like a failure and all these things. But to be able to come to a place where he's doing what God has called him to do. And I don't hear those things coming from him anymore. I don't hear why would God put this calling on my life for me to not be able to work in it? So to be able to have him do those things and not hear that anymore from my husband has been tremendous. But on the flip side, because he loves what he's doing, <laughs> he works even more sometimes. And it, you know, it takes that time away from us. And it's super hard. Like we've only been married five years. So when you are um, in a position where your husband is always focused on making sure everybody else is good and everybody else is okay, it's hard because sometimes you feel like your house is struggling or the things that you go through doesn't matter because we have to make sure everybody else is okay when we're going through things too at home and it's hard. So when she says these things, she's not lying that it's hard because it is. And I mean, I've, I've been in ministry my whole life I have multiple uncles that are pastors. My grandpa was a pastor and like I've been in this all my life. And like him, you know, I've I've been a part of the worship teams. I've been a part of, you know, we were the youth pastors at one point at a church and like we've been through all of these things but it, and it, it's hard. It's not an easy it's not an easy, ministry is not easy. So if you think ministry is easy, it is not. <laughs> that is not the truth. Sister, you've been down this road. Uh, what what are ways to, to handle some of these things? You've been down the road where, you know, as a pastor's wife, let me say it this way because they never really want to say this, but as a pastor's wife, it's easy to get discouraged because you're so much into the ministry. You're so much invested as the husband but it seems like the husband's always up front they're always speaking they're always leading they're always the one everybody sees and what people don't realize is the pastor's wife is putting in 
as much investment, if not more, than the pastor. But we seem to get the recognition for it. And so that's a hard to deal with as a woman. It's hard to deal with because they feel like, you know, I, I want to be part of this too, and I want to have my place too. And we struggled through this for a long time of how do we find the balance of you feeling like you're in your right place, but you're also leading the church and, and helping the, to be the leader of the church. So what are some things that we that we could encourage um, in that season of being pastor's wife? Um, I think he, you hit it on the nail, um, the hill and nail about balance. If I could give any encouragement, it would be balancing your time between your family, um, your children, um, and your marriage. Um, we, I had always been raised in church, and of course he was not raised in church. I met him on a dating site. So. And I'm a heathen. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, um, but we, um, so when we got married, it was a little different. I knew what was right. I knew in my mind I had this set example that I was trying to um, compare my marriage to with the wife and the husband, you know, being engaged in church and like my mom and my dad telling us all the time, like my dad didn't do anything without my mom. They were always together. They went to every sporting event together. They, we ate every dinner together. Like it was, wherever you saw my dad, you saw my mom. Of course, my dad was not a pastor, but in my mind, being a pastor's family was the same thing as just having a family that was faithful to church. But I learned that real quickly that it's not. Um, but like I said, in my mind, I had this whole fantasy type marriage where we would just be this happy family, you know, always get along, never having problems, have this beautiful church, grow our church, and that the more that our church grew, the better we were going to be. Um, and I think we both got to points where we just we're always like, well, we come, we'll eventually have time. You know, it'll come, it'll come. God, we're doing what God's called us to do. Right now in this season, we just need to focus on, you know, what the vision he put in our heart. And so I became very bitter, very resentful on, um, on things because his whole attention like shifted from his wife to lots of people. So you become very jealous and it's, a, it's, it's kind of hard to say that because it's not ever good, but you do, you become jealous of your husband's time of, of the ministry. Um, and so I found myself um, in, a mo in a season of depression and to where um, I was always fighting the ideas of, well, he's just got everybody else's issues going on. You know, everybody else is going to him. He's dealing with all this, so yours don't really matter. And you find yourself becoming very lonely. Um, I've always heard that a pastor's wife is, they always say, some of the loneliest people. And I truly can say that I went through that time. Um, yes, the enemy played into that a lot more than what it really was. And he still does, but... Um, I think the biggest thing is just to know that your wives need a pastor too and we're better at this we're over this so he knows but it's still very it's hurt you know I, I still deal with things but you know I felt I was reaching out to devotions and and other people other women leaders for advice on how I could be a better person because I always felt like I couldn't go to my husband because he he was no longer my pastor he was a pastor for everybody else 
And that is not true. That is a lie from the enemy. Your husband is your best friend. If your marriage is not where it is not growing in the Lord, then I don't mean this in a joking way, but I tell him all the time, you know, if you don't, we don't focus on us, then your whole church is going to fall apart. I just tell him all the time, I'm just joking. But I do believe that God is good, honors a good marriage, and I believe that the ministry is only as strong as you are together because he put us here together. Um, so I would say that balancing your time between your marriage and your children and um, ministry comes with a lot of sacrifices for me unfortunately has cost relationships with my family um, but every time he's proven to be faithful um, and um, so at the moments when you lose your family that's really close to you and you want to be closer to your husband but the enemy just continues to draw you farther apart because the more you grow, the more problems and more situations, not problems, but situations that people want you to help with. And so it's definitely a, it's a hard season. Um, but there's been more good seasons in ministry than bad seasons. And I'm learning now that not to harp on such, on the hard things all the time. Um, we have five beautiful children and I have a husband that loves me. And he would do anything for me. And I know he would. So ministry is fun. And I love this church. And I love everything that we've had to go through to get where we are. But if we could go back, I think the one thing we would do is balance our family a little different. And there's definitely, I mean, ministry, there's levels. There's seasons. There's, there's times. Um, I look back. I mean, we're sitting here tonight. 11 12 years in the ministry and i look back to day one and where we stood day one i would have never imagined sitting here tonight like i would it makes you appreciate the battles it makes you appreciate the things you've been through to say man i would have never imagined we would have been sitting like this tonight and doing this with 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 people that just that are supportive and and want to see things go great i would never met and that's why in life you hear pastors say so much don't give up hope. Don't 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 look at where you are right now. There there's still tomorrow. There's there's still better days ahead. And you think sometimes that's just repetition because that's what pastors are supposed to say. But we're living testimonies of standing in bare parking lots to have church and and seeing that the devil tell us that you you'll never see a growing church. You'll never see a fruitful church. You'll never all of this is just going to destroy you. And then you sit in places like tonight and say, "Wow." Look what all God's done. But then tonight's not the end. We'll sit somewhere 10 years from now and be like, wow. You remember the first night we did roundtables as pastors? Look where we are tonight. You know, so there's so much hope and excitement in serving God in ministry. But we knew you had it all right and that you knew the right decisions in life and you had a high standard. That's why you hit the wink button on Christian Mingle. And that's how you got me. So your standard and your decisions were right. But um, that's a whole nother night. Sister Brooke. You guys have a baby. Beautiful, beautiful son. 
They have two sons. Um, right after you guys step into the pastor role, how did you adjust? What's the what's the what's the home life like? How do you adjust? Don't worry about it. I'll mute his mic. Just say what you feel. Um, I mean, it's been hard because Corey always has like so much on his plate, so much you know to do. But um, I mean, being youth pastors, I guess now that's really all that we've known is to have it with the baby. But I think, like you said, like it's important that early on that we learn the balance so that nothing happened, you know, going on. But right now we're still trying to figure out the balance and things are kind of hard with Bryce right now. So just trying to figure out how to survive a newborn baby and be youth pastors and be a Mary. That, and, and just some advice for that from a, a pastor. So many times we feel like the enemy will tell us if you're not busy, if you're not keeping everything busy, you're going to go backwards or you're not going to see success. And I want to say this because that's what we should say as leaders. I would say that's not true. And that when you build a relationship with these students, they, they are drawn to who you are and they are drawn to your compassion for them. So they, they understand more than we think they do about life. And they understand that, hey, sometimes we may not be able to do stuff all the time. And I say that, and I was thinking about it today. I was actually telling uh, Brother Terry and Sister Gail about this. I said, you know, if I have advice to the staff pastors that, that we lead, it would be don't be so busy and, and don't try to plan so much. And my wife would probably look at me and be like, what you know about that? But what I'm saying is I, I didn't do that. I'm not saying that's what I did. I'm saying that's what I didn't do. And looking back, it's what I should have done. I should have planned better. I should have balanced life better. I should have balanced my family better. So when you have the opportunity, don't ever feel like if we don't do this, we're going to fail. If we don't do this, we're not going to hold up to the standards of pastoring because what God wants for you guys to do in the life of these kids, he's already put inside of you, and you can't really work no harder for it. The faithfulness provides what God's already given you. So it's really exciting to hear that. But, Corey, you run a business. Um, you always running around with work, and, and you have a, a newborn at home just like Sister Brooke, and you're leading. What's it like? How are you adjusting? It's tough. Uh, it's tough sometimes. It's tough on me. Like, it, this whole thing is about being transparent. And um, it's tough when I come home, you know, and I'm like, hey, I got to teach Sunday school on Sunday morning. I got to be at a leadership meeting from three to five and then the youth are coming to our house from five to eight and my wife's just sitting there holding the baby and begins to cry you know what's wrong i'm just tired i'm just tired and i get it and this one thing she has to deal with with me i'm i'm 400 or nothing so i'm gonna make i'm just gonna be where i need to be you know I, it, it always get if we just make it happen and it hurts me to see my wife hurt, but at the same time, like you say, God's already put in us what we need. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, you know, Lord, help my babies have a good day at school. I, I'm guilty of texting them or grouping them. Y'all have a good day. You know, y'all matter to God. You know, whatever you're going through, it's all right. You know, I, I, I make sure that I, I hit what I need to hit for them, but it may be 12 o'clock where I think about is my baby and my wife okay? You know, maybe I need to go back home and make sure she's not stressed out with the baby. And, you know, so I'm just, 
I'm trying to learn in all this too, and we're getting better and better. I, I'm doing things for it at night. I'm washing the bottles and the dishes and getting the coffee ready for in the morning, and I try to be at home, you know, half the time. I'm not working as much as I should because I go home and all that is definitely different, but still, like you said, I'm not going to sit here and harp on the bad. I, I, I'm yep. thankful for the good. I'm thankful for the way our outreach is going. I'm thankful for the way our youth is going and that they're excited and they'd rather be hanging out with us than they would be out here doing crazy things. And uh, I'm thankful that my baby's heart was healed. And, you know, I'm just, I try to think on the positive. You know, I have my marriage. I have my baby. We have a good youth group. Everything's good. And uh, we're going to learn and we're going to, uh, we're going to continue to grow in this. Corey, you can contract out the dishes. I might. I got a neighbor that's close. Don't by. even don't even give him the, the 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 opportunity to contract anything else. He's already good enough at that. I don't I even come the, on yard. I think one of the best advice that I could tell you that I had a I'm, I'm not gonna say her name, but it was an elder lady um, that we used to attend church with, and she had been. They had, of course, had a family. I think they had six kids. And she just came up to me one day, and I never really realized what she was telling me until recently. And um, I tell him that all the time. He just rolls his eyes at me. But she looked at me, and she said, you know, God gave you a beautiful family, and God is going to bless you, and he's already blessed you, and he's given you an opportunity to reach so many people. But as a pastor, or as a wife of someone in the ministry, it's okay to say no. I was just like, at the time, I was like, okay, thank you, you know, so-and-so, and I hug her neck, you know. And um, I told him that that's probably been four or five years ago. And I never really understand what she said, but she was serious. I kind of thought she was joking with me, but I'm, I've, I've learned that. And it's not to be ugly to say no, like you can't go do that because we don't control people. And God put somebody on somebody's heart. But I truly believe now what she was saying was that, you know, you matter too, and you need to be encouraged. And if you aren't growing in the Lord or you're constantly running and running, not having time to feed yourself or, to reach out to your husband or um, then it's okay to sometimes say, you know what, hey, you know, I need that too. I need encouragement. I need time to read my Bible. I need time to, to you know, go in there and pray or worship or I, maybe I need a Bible study with you like you do. And I know to this day, um, I don't even know if she, I don't think she's living anymore, but I know that's what she meant. God used her to minister to me four years after she told me that was it was okay to say no. And so that was the best advice I ever got. And that that was game changer for us. I think the first time he wanted to go to plan something, I don't even know. I said, no. He was like, no. And I said, no. Like, no, I, I would like to do this this weekend or whatever. And he was like, Some, don't let these men fool you. Sometimes they want their wives to be like, no. we gonna, You know, they want you to plan stuff. So, Corey, yes, you do. So he did, he, but then, no, he did. He was just like, okay, well, what do you want to do? You don't ever want, you don't ever plan anything. And I said, I just would like to do this or do this. And it was probably the best Bible study or group or whatever we did. Um, and so, you know, it's okay to say no. My wife, she fasted and prayed that I would learn to say no. And God sent Terry. And um, Terry, I, I, I got to practice with his lunch groups every day. He's like, let's go eat. So I just say no. So I'm learning how to say no. <laughs> it's not that I don't like you, brother. I'm learning to say no for my wife. I'm practicing every day. <laughs> it's it's funny though, but to be honest, like that what brother Corey said, we all face. 
Well, RJ, you're in trouble for it all the time. I know you are. Um, Sister Ashley says you are. And I'll get up in the morning, and, I'll, man, I'll hit a message to the leadership team, like, boom, let's go. You know, we got all this planned. And then my wife's like, hello. And the next morning I get up, and I'm like, let's go, leadership team. And I hear, ding. <laughs> it's her phone, and I think automatically, you're in trouble. You ain't even said a word to her, and you just heard the phone ding again to the leadership team. But it's true, you know. And I, I'm going to be honest, that's a hard thing to break because you get in the rhythm of work and things like that. But I, I'm going to be honest, it's it's not more important. And, I, and that's some, one thing we're talking about in our team here that you guys may or may not know. We, we we try to get things better every time. And recently we're like, listen, let's try to not talk so late at night about church. Let's try to do this and this. Let's try to put to where our families are the first of the day. God and our family. And then let's go to the church with the things we have to do as leaders. So. We all face that, Brother Corey, and it's, I'm telling you, it's a growing time, and God really uses it to mold us, but, but RJ, y'all, same thing. You moved from your family. You don't, you didn't know anybody here. Matter of fact, you got here, some people say accident, I say divine. Um, he thought he was going to Columbus, Ohio, but it was Columbus, Mississippi, so that's how he ended up here, <laughs> and, um, but you move here, you move away from your family, you, you take on a job, Sister Ashley gets a new job, and, and all these things going on. How are you guys adjusting? I mean, I'm adjusting fine. I think she's adjusting okay. <laughs> um, so our biggest fight when we were dating was probably she didn't want to move away, and I did because I felt like God was calling us away. And so we broke up probably 100 times over that. Um, God called him away. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he didn't call me. He called you, so you need to call again. Yeah. <laughs> but with that story of, you know, how we ended up here um, after I talked to you on the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, we'll come to Columbus. And he's like, mind you, he had not yeah. talked to me yet. And he already <laughs> right. told you he, we would come. Right. He said, he said, you ever been to Mississippi before? I said, Mississippi. I thought that was Columbus, Ohio. And so I get off the phone with him and uh, I text my wife and I say, the first thing I say is don't be mad. Because I don't applied for a job in Columbus, Mississippi. Mind you, I knew he was applying for jobs, though. Yeah, yeah. But when it said, don't be mad, I have to tell you something, I was like, what has my husband got us into? Right. <laughs> but as Pastor said, we came down. We loved it. We went back. We were in Nashville. I called Pastor and said, hey, we're on board. You know, it was four hours away. We decided 15 minutes outside of town. We, went, we wasn't even to Hamilton yet. Um, when we decided that we were on board and coming, but, um, you know, when God is in it, he takes care of the rest. As long as you're obedient to what God is telling you to do, he will take care of everything. And look, we felt like 10 minutes down the road, we felt like God was calling us here to be your guys' worship pastors and to help pastor Derek take some of the load off him and take some of the load of uh, some of the other people in the church and to help and be, we felt like we were the right people for the right job. And uh, so we stepped out on obedience and we came down here. We didn't, we hadn't seen our house in person. We hadn't <laughs> laid eyes on the, like we went through the town we were living in now, but we'd never seen the house. And 
We just stepped out on faith and said, God, if this is what you're going to call us to do, then we're going to do it wholeheartedly. And we're going to go, even though we don't know where we're living, even though we don't know how, if we're going to make it, we <laughs> our cars were about to fall apart in Ohio and we have put like $300 into our car. You didn't even know that, <laughs> but I didn't even know if the cars were going to make it to Mississippi or not. And, but because we stepped out on the word that God gave us, everything has fallen into place and it's just been easy. Uh, it's been hard, but it's been easier than other places that we've been. And I thank the church and I thank pastor for helping in that season. You know, you guys definitely, definitely lifted a burden, but I still don't sleep now, but I don't sleep with peace. Like right. I have peace when I don't sleep now because <laughs> yeah. I know things have been done, but you have, you guys have, have really done a lot in our, in what we do in our media and, and worship and things. Um, just ask you how you're adjusting. I was going to ask that question. Oh, go. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> then you asked the question. As um, coming from someone that leaves your family being close, I told you this before. You seem, you remind me so much of me and my family and my sisters. And we, at one time, when we lived in Pulaski, I, we had no family. It was just us. Um, I know you always said you always felt like this was family from day one. But deep down in your heart, I know how hard of a, of, of a decision it was to leave your family. And so my question is you is how have you how have you found um I know God gives you the comfort and the peace while you're here but what have you what have you tried to had to change or found yourself doing more while you're here as far as to help with the void cuz it's nothing like your family there's nothing like your family and I know your husband you you did what was right you followed your husband that's kind of like I was like I was felt like I was torn and I even questioned things several um a while um you know are you sure this is right because i miss my family so much but in the back of my heart and my mind i knew we were doing the right decision but then again i miss my family so if you had someone standing in front of you and they were about to make the same decision is there anything you could tell them that could help them in their process of moving away from their family and their home if they've always <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Um, it is hard. And I'm not going to lie. It's not that it's became easy all of a sudden. But even if we go back... Um, before we even got married, um, people knew that he didn't want to stay living where we were. And I had people come to me before we got married and came to me and said, you know this is where you're meant to be, don't marry that boy. This isn't of God because he's trying to pull you away from your family. I had a lot of that told to me and that was really hard because I knew that that was who I was supposed to marry and that made it hard. So then we got married, we were only an hour away. So that made it easier only being an hour away. And we went and visited home a lot. Um, but then the transition here, like he said, it was, we both just looked at each other. We were by the gas station when you're coming in Hamilton 
and we just looked at each other and I think I started crying because I was like, oh God, I'm moving 10 hours away. Like it hit me in that moment. I was like, I'm really about to tell him that, yeah, I'm okay with moving here. And I'm not going to say that, you know, I wasn't scared because I was, because I mean, we had, like he said, we hadn't seen the house. We didn't really know anybody. And in that moment, like we came and everybody was nice and welcomed us. And it's like, okay, these people are putting on a front, like, they just really want us here because that's why they're going to be super nice to me. And that scares you so bad because you don't know, like, truly, how, how is it really going to be once you're there? Because you go to an interview for a job and people put on their best face for your interview. And, and we have been promised the world by other churches and, yeah. and we're going to give you all this stuff and so on and so on. We're going to support you, make sure you're taken care of. And it's not about kind of those stuff. things. It's not about the material things or what you get out of it, but, you know, you just, is this really where I'm, where we're going to be okay? But all through our, when we got married, something that he has told me for five years has been when we find where we're supposed to be, there's going to be people that become your family. And I had never found that in five years of marriage all of the positions we've been in we'd given everything everywhere that we go that God has put us in we gave everything that we had but people never surrounded us or supported us they used us and I hate to say that but we've been used and abused and church hurt and everything else and what people don't know is my husband had looked at me before we came here and said, I will never be a worship pastor ever again. I will never step into a leadership position again because I don't want it. I don't want that pressure because we've been hurt so much. And people, you know, we're, I'm 29, he's 28, and people look at us and they're, you know, it's y'all are too young, you don't know anything. You haven't been through enough. We've been through a lot, a whole lot, more than what people our age should have been through. And coming here was the first time that I could ever say, I truly have people who I can call my friends that aren't, they aren't blood family, but they have stepped in and they have became that family. Is it still hard being away? absolutely my oldest niece just got engaged and is getting married next year so I'm like and now she's a senior and she's a senior this year so it's a lot going on and I mean ever since we moved here there's been something going on that's happened every month my dad passed away we had only been here for a month and that was really hard because I questioned and I was like God was I really supposed to be here like I didn't get to spend that time with my dad before like I could have been closer and I could have spent more time but it has been, you just, when you know that God calls you to do something, it might not be easy, but he helps you along the way through the whole process. And that's what you have to depend on. I think one thing that I learned being away from my family was to lean on my husband. So it was the hardest thing I ever went through, but we grew closer together. We learned that God called us into a ministry. So we learned to I always felt like I had my family on my back beside me, you know, the whole time where I could just kind of resort to them. But then when it's just you and him, then you learn that you learn to, you learn a lot of new things. It even caused some, 
some little issues there, you know, here and there, a little more than we had normally had because it got to where it was just us. And but we grew closer together more than any time in our season of our marriage is when we were completely away from my family, his family, and it was just us. Our ministry season may have been rough, but that was the best time that we had in our ministry. I mean, in our marriage was um, learn to lean on each other. I think. I think. It- also like with us it has opened my eyes to a different perspective because growing up like my grandpa and grandma they were very very strict Mm -hmm. so they were the you couldn't cut your hair you had to wear skirts all the time like Mm -hmm. they were all these things you know they had all these standards that that's what my mom grew up in and that was you know I didn't that wasn't put on me but there were still certain things that you know I was taught and then when you step away from certain certain things and I'm not saying that any of them are wrong or you know anything but that's how they believe and that's fine but you know it being us I've been able to learn things for myself and not go by this is how all of my family has done this all their life so this is how I should be but by stepping away, it has let us, you know, enter into a time of, okay, this is what God really says. And this is how things can be. And this is like, let's take all of this off of you and let you find out who I truly say you are and what I've called you to do. And, and the things that, you know, he says, not what people says, like what you preached on Sunday, Jesus didn't say that. And like, I've thought about that multiple times this week so far. And I'm like, Okay, Jesus didn't say that. Like, okay. <laughs> That's, it is It is those season worship team. You guys come join us. Y'all stay right here. Let, let your guys come. Um, I just got one last question, and we're gonna, I'm going gonna, to get us out of here, I promise. Um, Brother Corey, y'all can answer this together. What has God done in the last six months in your life? What do you feel God has done? If you could say... I just want to give God glory for this. What has God done in the last six months? <laughs> uh, I, too, like, uh, it's hard to do this in 30 seconds, but when he got to saying uh, a minute ago, he would never imagine himself sitting right here. Let's rewind nine years ago really quick for a brief moment. Nine years ago I get in this church and I hear about this Cajun boys coming back. Brother Chico coming back it's about softball season and this, that and other and I'm hearing about how Brother Chico and Sister Jen have moved off and you know all these things. I don't know this cat. I don't know anything about him. And they come back and then at this time I'm just being delivered and I don't have anything and my dad's dead and my mom's out there and I live with my grandma and I'm just learning how to even serve God. This family comes into the picture and fast forward a little bit more and I mean we began to, I I considered him someone I looked up to. I I would go to him and open up about relationships I was in and what should I do with this and that. I wasn't married at the time. we got so close, the Joker uh, told me one time he'd pay me just to come to North Dakota and work out with him and hang out with him. He'd pay my bills if I'd just come when he went on his hitches. And um, so we went through all these church things together, and we got all these chains 
put on our neck and all these things tried to be taught to us that you had to do a certain way and this and that and the same. She said all the way to fast forward nine years later to uh, God told me one day back there when I came to visit him at that soundboard that I had a purpose here and I had to pretty much leave a church that I'd been with for nine years and the people that were there for me when I had nothing, the people that were there for me when, you know, when I had to face 112 years in prison, the people that taught Bible with me and fed me when I didn't have anything and gave me a vehicle when I came into church and couldn't afford one and her father gave me a job when I didn't have one because all I'd ever done is sell drugs and all these things, fast forward to where we are now, uh, I just can't even fathom. So I want to thank God um, for giving us a place to where I feel like our gifts and our calling uh, can be truly used. And um, we preach together in out-of-state revivals and all these things. And fire team this, fire, we, we've had plenty of history together. But right now I feel like we're in our, our perfect purpose and I feel like we're really doing what God wants us to do and doing it God's way. So I thank God for just bringing us to that perfect place. Well, I feel the same way, and Corey's probably going to kill me for saying this, but like six months ago, our house wasn't, you know, the best, you know, we were going through things, and, um, you know, Corey came to me one day and was telling me, I was like, I really feel like that God wants us to go to and I was like, what? Because he had been for nine years and just, you know, like, Nothing was going to change his mind about anything. And I just, like, I was like, I just want you to make sure, make sure, because like I said, he is either all this way or all that way, because I was like, I do not want anything to change you or whatever. But I'm just so thankful that he was obedient and we didn't stand still because, I, I mean, I just don't, there's no telling where we would be. That decision is probably one of the hardest decisions you make in life. We had to make it. It's it's tough, but uh, knowing what we know and, and seeing what God's doing today, we're truly thankful that you guys have made that step that you felt God called you to do because it's impacted the life of so many that you didn't even realize a year ago that you would impact. There's so many students in this church that look up to you guys. We've led the youth here. We've hired people to lead the youth here. And these students look up to you guys and your marriage way more than you can imagine. And we're thankful for that because one of mine. But RJ, just ask you the same question. Six months.
finally be in a place that I was surrounded by people that prayed for me, that lifted me up, that surrounded me, that supported me, that was there because I hadn't had that. And it wasn't that my family didn't care, but just in the place that we were, in the ministry that we were in, I, I didn't have anybody. It was, they do our music, they help us do this, they help us do that. That's what we were there for. It wasn't, they didn't try to make connections with us. They didn't try to have a relationship with us. Like, and that was really hard. And I was in that position of, they only need my husband. They don't need me. He does it all. I don't have to do it all. And that's a really hard place to be in. But I can truly say that I don't feel like that anymore. People don't care about me anymore. It's been completely different here, and I'm so thankful for that. So, six months ago, in my teenage and adult life, I had never been able to say the words, I am home. But six months ago, when we moved here, I found home. For the first time, I was able to say that I was a place where I felt like I belonged. Sitting here today for the first time in my life, I have friends. I have people besides my family that care about me. And I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And even when we, even when it gets hard sometimes, I can still lean on the fact that I am home. And even when family fights, not just me and her family, but family in the church, even when there's arguments going on and there's fights going on, and this one's mad at this one, and that one's mad at this one. We are family, and we are home together. That's what I have to say tonight, that we are home, and we are family. Come on, church, can we, can we stand together? I want to do something. God laid it on my heart while we were in this round table tonight. October, all over the nation, has been set aside for what they call Pastor Appreciation Month. And I want to do something. Um, I don't want you guys to neglect the men pastors that are up here. But I promise you, I'm going to do my best to make sure that they are taken care of this month. And they are appreciated beyond measure. But I want you to do something for me. I want the church to go on an extra limb for the women. We're good. We always get the recognition, and I promise you, these two guys back here know I'm not much older than them, but I love them as if they were a child of mine. And I'm gonna take care of them. But I want you to go above and beyond for these ladies and show them what they mean to this church, to your family, and to
to this city. And it's kind of an awkward moment, but we do altar calls at the end of every service. And we take all the things to God and we lay it there. And we, we just trust God that he's going to take care of all these things. But I, I want to do something different. I want the three lady pastors to stand right here. And I want us to just make our way around. Come on. Come on. They don't follow directions well, but we're working on that. I want you guys to come make your way. Turn back that way, ladies. I want you to hug their neck, shake their hand, tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. And we're going to pray together as a church before we leave tonight.